Grizzlies Bulls tonight. Grizzlies looking for a second straight win, but we'll talk a lot today, as promised, about the Chandler Parsons situation, past, present, and future. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Locked on Grizzlies for this Wednesday. My name is Peter Edmiston. And uh, thanks so much for for downloading the podcast. Thanks for rating us. Thanks for being a part of it. It really means a lot, and I appreciate it because uh, you guys you guys make the whole thing possible. So I appreciate that. Thanks to our friends at Grizz Essentials for their awesome sponsorship of the podcast and for the great products that they provide. For all of you guys, go to grizzessentials.com slash logrizzlies. Use the promo code BELIEVE. BELIEVE this week only. BELIEVE gets you a free month. Uh, a great box, great products, great shirts, the whole thing. It's just, it's awesome stuff. Go to their website and find out more. It's way more than just shirts. It's way more than just your normal stuff. It's awesome. Go to grizzessentials.com slash L-O Grizzlies. Before we talk about Chandler Parsons, one little news item to start the show with, one that I am excited about because we talked about it in a different kind of capacity. Um, the Grizzlies reported to be one of the teams that has interest in Omri Caspi, the former Sacramento King, and I guess technically former New Orleans Pelican, who played uh, virtually no time whatsoever. For them, he was acquired as part of the Boogie Cousins trade, and then uh, New Orleans, in its infinite wisdom, decided that they would waive him after he hurt his thumb early on, a very extremely early on, just a few minutes uh, into his, his career with them. They had to open up a roster spot, and they felt like they should waive him, and uh, so they did which means that a very good player is sitting out there and he's apparently now ready to resume basketball activities and he's he's getting close to being good to go. He's sitting right there. The Grizzlies reportedly uh, one of the teams that uh, have interest in, in Caspi. Caspi's looking for a playoff team, obviously, to sign and in, in in one that he thinks can do well. This is a perfect fit. I mean, it's a perfect, perfect fit. For those who don't know, Caspi is... Uh, big six nine can play you know multiple positions, but really is he does he can play he's not a he's not a horrible defensive player but his specialty is he can shoot dude can shoot like crazy you know he struggled a little bit earlier this year but the year before he was unbelievable he was unbelievable catch and shoot guy unbelievable possibility there. And with his size, um, you know he's he's going to be a really coveted guy. And if the Grizzlies could grab him, then that's that's a nice pickup. Now they would have to waive somebody. That somebody is almost certainly going to be Tony Douglas. In that case, I think Douglas is pretty much out of the rotation. I, I think he played his way out of the rotation with some just bad bad defensive performances. Um, how he got the reputation that some seem to have given him that he's a dogged defender, I, I do not know. He he looks, I guess you could say he kind of looks like it. He's, he gets into a stance and he's a, he's a physical guy, very strong guy, but he's not a good defender. And it would be an easy cut to make if you if you could go and get Caspi for uh, you know veterans minimum. Now one of the problems that you could see is that teams could sign and could could depending on what they're they're cap situation is and what they can do you know there there are teams like the heat that could maneuver their way into signing him 
to uh, a multi-year deal, which you know the Grizzlies would 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 not be able to do. So um, you know that's 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 one one thing that you you probably would just kind of keep an eye on, depending on what he wants to do. If if Caspi wants to to you know take a take a very short term deal to then go back into the market this summer, then fine, no problem. If he's looking for a little more stability, then that could be an issue, you know, for the Grizzlies. But keep an eye on that one. Before we talk Chandler Parsons, I did want to mention uh, Omri Caspi, uh, who is out there and uh, and available. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to talk a lot about Chandler Parsons. Kind of teased it yesterday because uh, I wanted to really you know get more into it than we could yesterday after the post game from the Bucks win and in a big win, an important win, first win in forever for the Grizzlies in a win where they played uh, really well and a lot like their old selves. And, you know, it was kind of a, a weird day for the Grizzlies because of the whole Chandler Parsons situation. And then it how, how the team kind of responded to it. it. It was it made for a very strange situation, but it really put a capper on what has been, you know, a, a catastrophic first year for Chandler Parsons. And there's just no other way to describe it. It went as badly as it could have possibly gone. It's a four-year deal, you'll recall, signed for $94 million, fully guaranteed. And uh, a deal that even at the time, people thinking that if Chandler Parsons produces at the level that he was producing in his best times, that he would probably still be overpaid. Even if you, you take that great stretch that he had towards the end of his run in Dallas before he got hurt, and you take that and you you extrapolate that over the course of a season, you know, you're talking about a guy that was averaging, you know, 19 points a game, shooting 51%, could do secondary ball handling, pick and roll stuff, um, not a great defender, but but certainly a guy that could, could unlock a lot on, on, on the offensive end and be very versatile, play a lot of different positions. And that's a valuable commodity at his size, 6'10", that's big. But was it worth $94 million? Uh, you know, that's that's debatable. But you, the Grizzlies, had to pay the charge for being, um, you know, in the free agent market and, and trying to go get a get a big-time guy. You also had to pay the tax of last year's free agency. And we're finding out more and more that last year was really, in many respects, a true aberration. That the contracts that were handed out last year are almost entirely overblown. And the Grizzlies managed to get a really big overblown contract and actually two of the rare value contracts in Troy Daniels and James Ennis uh, that, that were signed in, in that period. But you look at some of the, the crazy contracts that were signed, including Portland and Evan Turner, the the alternative to Chandler Parsons. So it was hard to avoid in the market last year. It would have been hard to avoid paying too much. That's just that's how it was going to be. But what what you didn't know or what you, you couldn't have known or what you couldn't have thought was that his situation with his knees would be so perilous that his his knee surgery would have been not minor as it was reported, but but much, much more than that. And I was going back and kind of listening to some of the the the, the, the press conference stuff. And uh, I, I thought I'd play a little bit for you. From this is from his intro press conference, all the way back July eighth. Times were different then. World was a different place. 
and all was all was sunshine and lollipops at that press conference. So I'll play you a little bit from from that from Chandler Parsons and from Grizzlies GM Chris Wallace talking about uh, where the Parsons situation stood at that time. I feel great right now, and um, you know, obviously I've had you know two unfortunate knee surgeries, and you know as a competitor and as an athlete, you know that's it's bound to happen when you compete at the highest level every single night. And I think what's the promising thing with me is after my first more major surgery. Uh, I came back last season and played the best basketball in my career and felt the healthiest I've ever felt and, uh, you know, felt unbelievable. So I think that's for now that I'm going through this rehab process for a more minor surgery. I have that in the back of my mind. And, you know, you're not going to find a guy that's going to work harder than me. You're not going to find a guy that's going to rehab harder than me. And uh, I'm doing whatever it takes to, you know, be 100% and obviously being smart at the same time. I got to go through the rehab process right now and I'm starting to shoot a little bit and do more and more on the rehab. But, you know, I've, I fully expect to, you know, be better than I was before. And I just, you know, to, I'm enjoying this process and this grind of having to work for everything I've, 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 I've gotten. And I'm used to it. Uh, it's happened to me my whole career. So now this was just another minor setback, you know, to, to be even better. Well, we don't see it taking a chance at all. We weren't 100% sold on, on Chandler. He, we wouldn't be having this news conference today. So, you know, we, we have all the faith in the world in uh, his ability to rehab, to stay healthy, uh, and provide us uh, just a level of talent and versatility with his size out in the perimeter that we've not enjoyed in the past. Unfortunately, all that faith in the world that Chris Wallace had was misplaced and it did not work out but you could hear the the optimism and the different tone because i you know at the time you you go back and put yourself in that in that spot this was not thought to be a major thing this was not something that really people were talking about at that point that would hold him out at the beginning of the season then we roll around to media day at the end of september and that's when, if you go back and listen, we first this is when we first started doing Locked On Grizzlies. That's when, if you heard some of our first pods, I think I talked to Kevin Leip within the first couple of episodes, and we were just a little skeptical about what was going on. I went back and, and listened, and yeah, it was that first week. I mean, we were we were right on it uh, from the very beginning when talking about it. Because it didn't smell right, it didn't it didn't pass the smell test from the very beginning uh, of training camp. Did not pass the smell test, particularly when you pair it with the fact that Dallas and you know taking a, a fuller view now that we've gone through the vast majority of the season, you can you can really take a full perspective on the signing. You can't judge it completely because he hasn't gone through his entire run but you can judge the first part of the signing and remember that you know typically in these big free agent signings especially guys that are you know going to be into their 30s by the time the signing's over you typically get the best out of the guy the first year or two and then the performance kind of degrades i think everyone's you know no one's expecting year five of mike conley to be as productive as year one in that deal but when you look back and you, you take the full view of it now, you go back and look at what Dallas said. And here would be a good time to read or reread the piece Tim McMahon of ESPN did uh, back uh, November, right before the Grizzlies put the mask for the first time this year. 
McMahon is very close with Chandler Parsons and very close to a lot of guys in Dallas, has good contacts there, lives there, all that. So it's a very... You know, he he would he would certainly be the guy that wouldn't be able to put this thing together. It's a, it's a really good story about how the whole thing unfolded this summer. But the quotes in there are more ominous now, looking back, than they were at the time. And you, the the situation in Dallas, if you don't remember, Chandler Parsons and Mark Cuban were extremely close, close to the point where it was a problem in the locker room. Uh, McMahon mentions it, and I've had it confirmed from uh, sources of my own that there were a few, not major, but but things that happened, you know, within that circle that were, you know, problematic for some players because they were so close that 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 Parsons and Cuban Parsons was was in the mix there in a way that some players didn't really like or didn't think that they weren't comfortable with. Um, so you, that gives you the idea of whether the, where those guys were at as a as a partnership and by all accounts you know once mark cuban signed him had things not gone poorly with the knees then he wanted him to be a mav for life they talked about all their plans and uh you know cuban is a very loyal guy by nature but the knee stuff changed everything and when you look in the story and read about mark cuban who had apparently given assurances depending on who you ask and who you who you talk to within the context of the story it kind of reads differently based on different you know party involvement Dan Fegan Chandler Parsons agent got the impression that Cuban was was going all in on a, on a max deal Cuban disputes that that part of the account but it seems as though whenever the what they call the advisory council got involved and the advisory council is a group that involves their coaching staff, their head athletic trainer, um, you know those kinds of guys. When they got involved, and even Dirk Nowitzki was part of that, and they all were concerned about making a long-term commitment to Chandler Parsons. So Cuban... Their president of basketball operations, Donnie Nelson, Rick Carlisle, their head athletic trainer, Dirk, those guys, all that that crew decided that they, all of them, unanimously did not think it was the right thing to do to commit long-term to Chandler Parsons. Well, when you see that now, I mean, even at the time, that was a concern. Even at the time, that was the one thing about the Chandler Parsons signing that really raised major red flag was that Dallas was backing off of the guy. And he had been so close and was such a good fit, particularly with the guy that's you know signing the checks, that if he backs off because of a knee injury, it's got to be real. It's got to be real deal serious. And, uh, and so when they did, Parsons, you know, they wanted to get him to opt in to his uh, $16 million option which, you know, was only a one year thing and Parsons, you know, clearly he could go ahead and get the max somewhere else. It doesn't make any sense to sign for sixteen when you could sign for ninety four. And and the Grizzlies you made the deal. Portland's involvement continues to be something of a dispute depending on who you ask and how it's characterized, that whether they did or did not offer the same thing. Um, you know, there there is a there's one of those depends on who you talk to kind of things. But the Grizzlies certainly did. He signed it very, very quickly. 
It was all done at uh, in Beverly Hills, and then boom, here you go. All those things looking back now are real red flags about how the signing went down. And then, of course, the fact that, that over the course of the season, it was the same story. He was so close. He was getting closer. You could see it. There were things... There were evaluations. There were, you know, it was all right there. It was stuff that we couldn't, you know, even those numbers are bad. You could, you, you knew the trainer said it was great. He was doing better. He was you know, way ahead. of. Meanwhile, if you are watching and you guys that are listening probably watched every game as I did, this dude didn't look like he was getting any better, A, and B, looked nothing like the guy that was playing a year ago, two years ago prior to these injuries. So had he started that way in preseason and then was indeed getting better and you saw some more lift and some more um, spark or something from the guy, then then fine. That, that, that would be progress in those minutes restrictions and all that stuff. That would make sense because you're building to something. And I think that's why at the beginning of the season, you know, everyone was kind of okay with this. And even into like, you know, January or close to the All-Star break, I think – you know, everyone was kind of okay with it to to an extent. I think it was definitely frustrating for a lot of guys to have their roles kind of jerked around a little bit because of the need to put Chandler Parsons in for these spots. But I think up to in, until the All Star break, it really felt like they were most people were, were were trying their best to to deal with it and to at least pretend like it was was coming along. The fact that he suffered the bone bruise relatively early in the season to that left knee that ends up now having reportedly the partially torn meniscus that is, I think they're going to end up opting for surgery on that. I don't think that's been officially announced, but that in, in most of those cases, that's what happens. You know, Patrick Beverly had a, had a meniscus tear that did not need surgery, but it's it's pretty common in, in generally the way it works is those things usually have, uh, you usually have to have some kind of a surgery to, to deal with them. But, you know, you're, you're building to that all-star break. I, I really think, and I have no, this is just conjecture on my part, but yeah, I feel like the players and Fizdale and everyone involved in this thing were trying to, to go along, to get along, to try to get the best they could, to try to make this thing happen as best they could, it, despite all the frustrations, despite all the issues. It was not easy, the hand that you're dealt, and you're trying to do the best you can with it. But once he comes back from all-star break, and nothing changes, and in fact he's worse, and he still continues to play, I think that's where you really saw some, some checkout. I think that's where you really saw some guys just throw their hands up. And you, you saw it on the court. I mean, there was there was a complete failure of buy-in, of effort, of all that stuff. It was just out the window. And yeah, I think the reason for that it's when you when you have a when you have a team and you have a bunch of guys getting together and your your coaching staff, everyone is 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 doing all this stuff like crazy. Everyone's working their ass off to try to make this thing happen. And that includes Chandler Parsons. He's working very hard to try to get himself back together. But when it doesn't happen, and when it is evident to anyone who's watching that it's not going to happen, that it's not going to happen, no matter how hard you want it to happen, no matter how hard you try, it's not 
going to happen. It's evident to all and sundry that that's the case. And when you still have to play this guy for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, because as David Fisdale put it, it's an organizational situation. They're trying to figure it out or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Are you really trying to win at that point? Are you really working to win this year as an organization? And I think the players in the locker room look at that and say, no, you're not. Because if you were, this guy is nowhere near ready to play. This guy's nowhere near helping us. When you have the head coach who has you know, really done, it's been a very difficult thing for David Fisdell to try to deal with all this stuff. But when he has to come out and say, as part of his defense of playing Parsons, that I got to play him with the starters because if I play him with the bench, he's going to be even worse. He's going to be exposed. That is a bad damn reason to play a guy, any guy. And it's an even worse reason to start a guy. If you have to start coming up with stuff like that for a player, that player should not be playing for you. This is professional basketball. This is not high school basketball. This is not YMCA. This is These are pros. Everyone is getting paid. And the performance matters. People get fired because of a lack of performance. You get increases and decreases in income, in salary, in job possibility. All those things matter because it's a performance-based business. It isn't even college. Either you're performing or you're not, and there could be any number of reasons why you're not. It's not a judgment in that sense. But when nothing changed, I think those guys just, whoop, just checked right out. And, I mean, I think there are other issues, too, that, that that's, that's, that's one of them. There are others that were involved in that, that weird blip. And we'll see. I mean, again, I, I think it's, it's certainly more than a blip. But that little stretch of that five games in particular where they were just horrible, just absolutely mind-blowingly bad, that little stretch right there, there's a lot more to it than Parsons, but but I think that was a part of it. I think it was just a boiling point. This Something's got to change. Something's got to change. And once it did, on Monday, then look what happened. And it's as simple as this. During that five-game losing streak, I went and looked thanks to the hustle stats that the NBA compiles now. I went back and looked and averaged out the hustle stats for those five games, and the Grizzlies averaged just under 15 deflections a game in those five losses. In the win against Milwaukee, they averaged 20, or they, they, they had 23. So that would be an increase of about 50%, give or take. That is an enormous jump. And the Grizzlies are a team that's built. They are built on deflections, on making it hard for their opponents, all those little things. As a collective unit, they are really good, but individually, maybe not so much. You know, how we talked about the the roster, and if you take it just on an individual basis, you know, there are not a lot of guys that are great two way players. There are not a lot of guys that are that are great players, period. They're guys that, that really work well in the system. Tony Allen, classic example of that. And, you know, Vince Carter, a guy certainly that, uh, you know, at 40, you can't expect 
much from him and and he you know he's when he's locked into the moment and when he's playing as a collective then everything works well the grizzlies have always been greater than the sum of their parts but during that stretch and during the bad stretches of this year they are just the sum of their parts and that's where it falls apart because they're just not good enough to sustain that but when they play together when they have communication when they talk when they believe that's their key word again grizzlies grizzessentials.com slash hello grizzlies believe when they believe in what they're doing when they believe in everyone that's out there on the floor and when they believe that everyone is pulling in the same direction with their maximum capacity then the the band is back together it does not solve the long-term issues it does not solve the leadership issues it does not solve the personnel issues it only it doesn't ensure that the Grizzlies will, you know, do anything differently in the playoffs than they would have done anyway. But it does mean that the feeling is back at FedEx Forum, at least for that one night, at least in the short term. That that feeling, and you saw it. If you watched that game and you were in the crowd, you could hear it and you could feel it. It was different. It was a different feel. It was that vibe of those guys together. Part of it is the core four played uh, a good bit together. That's That's part of it. But that's not all of it. A lot of it is, I mean, Andrew Harrison played really well in that ball game. A lot of guys did. Vince Carter, you know. It wasn't just the core four. It was everyone buying in, simplifying it. Now you don't have to worry about your rotations being messed up by having to play Parsons a certain amount of minutes and guys worrying about all that. They just played. So in the short term... Chandler Parsons' departure is a huge benefit. Those guys won't say it, can't say it, but you can see it. It's just a relief as much as anything else. Now, long-term, long-term, I don't know. I don't know. We talked about the, the fact that generally when you're talking about these free agent deals, you project out that the first year is going to be you know your most productive year first couple of years at least and then after that you would expect a little bit of drop off or you would expect the productivity to not quite be there if that's the case the grizzlies are in trouble but what we need to find out is you know at the time of him signing what sort of physical did he pass how extensive was the evaluation how willing were the grizzlies to roll the dice in this in this scenario what did they expect truly from this was this a possibility was this on the table at all for them you know and then with this new injury when did it happen specifically because it you know he had the bone bruise in that left knee earlier in the season. The right knee is the one that's had the the issues, or the bigger issues, I should say. So when did this thing happen? Was he playing hurt at all, or was this just, you know, something they just happened to, to, to kind of find out? He just happened to have a little extra pain. He had had, he would have been reported to have knee soreness for a week or so leading up to it, and I think he played at least once after he had been diagnosed with some knee soreness, according to the injury report. But knee soreness is such a vague thing; could be could be anything. So I, I don't I don't I don't know. 
that this thing, I don't know. There's there's just not any real good concrete information on the thing. So so where to go from here? You don't know because you don't know exactly when it happened and you know and all that stuff. Bottom line is you've got a guy though that I will say you you know going into next season is he will now have been a year and a half removed going into next season from his biggest stretch of meaningful productive basketball. He will have had three knee surgeries, two major ones on one knee and one minor one, at least that's what's characterized as now, although the second knee surgery on the right knee was also characterized as minor at the time and it involved the meniscus as well. So, I, I think we we all have to kind of keep the jury out on that one. But he will have had three knee surgeries and be 18 months removed from his most productive stretch of basketball. That is a max guy. And he's going to be a big chunk of your cap. Depending on where that cap number rolls out, he and Mike and Mark are going to combine for about 75% of that cap number. Now, and bear in mind, that's just the cap, not. We're not talking about the tax. It's a different deal. But it is going to hamper the Grizzlies without a doubt. Without a doubt. And uh, all the pressure is going to be on him. And, and, and it's, you know, there will be a an unbelievable amount of skepticism about whatever he says about the rehab and whatever the Grizzlies say about the rehab and the return because what have they been saying all year? that things were progressing, that he's coming back, that he's going to be this, he's going to be that. And even going back to media day, back at the end of September, he was talking about, I want to play my best basketball at the end of the season. And I want to finish the season strong and all this stuff. And none of it happened. So there will be an earned amount of skepticism going into it. But I want to know what you think. And I'd love to hear from you on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. You want to email me, you can, peter at peteredmiston.com. Uh, you can um, get in touch with me lots of different ways. But I want to know what is your expectation now for this Chandler Parsons contract? And we'll talk about the Grizzlies tomorrow after the Bulls game, and we'll talk about kind of where they stand playoff-wise and all that stuff. This is kind of a Parsons episode to, to kind of give you the state of play of where things are right now. But I want to know what you think the Grizzlies are going to get out of this deal. What is what is your expectation? It's already, you know, this thing's behind the eight ball for sure. Do you think they get out of it? Do you expect that everything's cool and that he's going to be okay? Are you starting to worry that he's ever going to play a meaningful, fully healthy minute? Is he ever going to be the same? Do 29-year-olds with three knee surgeries typically end up the same? You know, what, what does this mean? Is this, is this signing, you know, is it just doomed? Or is there still hope that next year he's going to be good to go? I want to know what you think. I want to get a, a sense of your, your feel for it and your optimism or pessimism with regard to it. So get in touch with me. At Peter Edmiston on Twitter, Peter at PeterEdmiston.com via the email. Lots of ways to do it. Please get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more 
after the Bulls game. I'll be very curious to see if this continues or if the Bulls, who gave the Grizzlies trouble, as we all remember, on MLK Day, and who have shown a little friskiness of late. They're a very difficult team to kind of characterize and figure out what they're going to do, but um, but they've had their moments lately. Can the Grizzlies keep it going on the road? Or was that just one night of magic on Monday? Just one night of, you know, finally breaking free and just feeling, you know, like yourselves again and all that. I mean, the Grizzlies did, by the way, hit 14 threes in that game. That's not grit and grind. 14 threes is not grit and grind. So this is that hybrid grit and grind 2.0 thing. But still, was it just a one-night thing? Be very, very interested to see if that is the case. Thank you again so much for listening to the podcast, for downloading it, for making it a part of your day. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to chat again about the Grizzlies after the Bulls game. And uh, look forward to hearing from you guys again. I want your feedback on this Parsons stuff. Hope you enjoyed a very Chandler Parsons-focused episode of Locked on Grizzlies. And until tomorrow, have a great one, everybody.